Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Also joining us today is our friend, Alicia Henderson. Alicia and her husband, Eric, have lived in Brookings for seven years and have four awesome kids, Cooper, Court, McKinley, and Kyler. Thank you for joining us this morning, Alicia. Thank you. Happy to have you. This week, our Prairie Doc topic focuses on seizures. Dr. Ellsworth, let's begin by talking about what is a seizure? A seizure is when there's um, this electrical activity in the brain that is kind of propelling uncontrolled inside the brain. And um, it can be limited to a certain area of the brain or it may uh, continue to grow to other areas or encompass the whole brain. And that's one reason why sometimes it can affect some people in a limited way um, or only um, affect maybe one one side of the body or 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 one part area um and but then it can progress and and you might have a a whole body seizure Mm. and a seizure could be you know you think of shaking or tremors uh but it can even just be stiffening or limpness basically just uncontrol of the motor function and uh, it could even be like an absent seizure or an absent seizure of just kind of staring. So seizures can come on at any time in our lives or not necessarily is it something at a certain age we usually experience? It can happen at any age. Okay. Um, and it can be hard to know for sure what's going on or the reason behind them uh, without looking into it. Uh, we may not find a reason, mm-hmm. particularly with kids. Um, sometimes it just happens, but there can be reasons. There can be um, infections or an injury mm-hmm. or a stroke or cancer or something. So some of those reasons are more typical for adults later in life. Mm-hmm. For maybe younger adults or kids, it may be a metabolic disorder, something they're born with or may not have a good reason. And thankfully, sometimes they can now outgrow them even. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they can be rather mysterious in many ways. Who do you normally go, how do you normally find answers when you're looking for answers about seizures? It's good to get it checked out and mm-hmm. and looked into. And um, it's good to just start with the doctor you can get into mm-hmm. um, and hopefully your primary care doc to help you through that process. Um, and they may want to do some imaging of the head. They may want to do an EEG uh, where there's all the electrodes on the head to help look at the electrical activity. And then ultimately you'd want to, uh, you'd be seen by a neurologist uh, who specializes in the brain mm-hmm. and neurosystem and certainly are usually the experts on seizures. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, Alicia, we're really happy to have you here with us today. And I know you've learned a lot about seizures in the last several years. Could you tell us some about your journey with your son? Yeah. Um, we first experienced um, with Court, he had his first seizure when he was three. Um, and Dr. Ellsworth talked about um, it can be part of the brain or the whole brain. Quartz was a generalized epilepsy, meaning the whole brain. Um, his was characterized with a, he had a specific type of syndrome called Doza syndrome. Um, we did a lot of further testing, um, some genetic testing. Um, he didn't have any particular genetic factor that they, they said would cause that. Um, but that particular syndrome, Doza syndrome, is characterized by happening in younger children. Mm -hmm. um, so he was age three, more common in boys. He was a young boy. And so he, his was characterized by four different types of seizures. He had um, what you referred to as the stiffening of the body or atonic seizures. Um, I have to kind of look those up because it's been a while since we've had them. But um, he had the myoclonic seizures atonic seizures and then he also had the absent seizures where he would stare off and he also had the full tonic clonic which most people know as um what was the A grand mall seizure yeah perhaps. most people refer to them as grand mall and they have since kind of overtaken that and used the term tonic clonic to describe the motion of that seizure that's um, kind of when your body yeah it's a very physical response. that is yeah. what people mm -hmm. think of when they see seizures in movies and see them probably out in public that's typically the type of seizure that they would see um, because the other ones are a little less obvious um, absent seizures you probably don't notice them as much unless you have a family member that has them um, quartz Atonic seizures were, those can be very extreme. Um, they can also be called drop seizures. For court, we were very fortunate. Um, his would be where his head would just fall out. So he could be sitting at the table and just kind of fall forward and hit his head. Mm -hmm. Those can be as extreme though as where people um, lose complete control and fall to the floor completely. And, and that's where more severe injuries happen is from those types of seizures. Mm -hmm. um, and then the myoclonic ones tend to be um, you can be just mid-sentence stop and for court it was a major shake of the hands or a trembling of the face and so those are less obvious too unless you're looking for them mm -hmm. um, but he had his first one at three which was a tonic clonic or grand mal seizure which led us to primary care um, we actually, he was transported by ambulance. And so ours progressed maybe a little bit quicker than someone that their child had a seizure just at home. Um, we saw the ER doctor, they immediately did a CAT scan just to rule out anything that day mm -hmm. and went, sent us home saying he would probably never have another seizure. Oh. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for us, that wasn't the case. Um, it was a couple months later, he had another tonic clonic seizure at home. Um, and we were grateful. We knew that it, what it was. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't panic. We knew to um, put him on his side and kind of just wait it out. And so we did not call in medical services at that time, but we did um, progress forward. Then we ended up seeing a um, neurologist, 
a pediatric neurologist who did the EEG. Um, I believe he had an MRI somewhere along the way, too, to mm-hmm. rule out some other factors. Um, but we had several EEGs, which courts started out saying that it was triggered by um, lights and mm-hmm. bright lights and sound, things like that. Um, but as we progressed further and he started to have present the other types of seizures, um, the EEG started to show us that that was not the case. And that's when they referred us on to a further specialist. And we went to the city's um, Minneapolis and saw a specialist there who diagnosed him with DOSA syndrome and um, did further testing. Mm-hmm. So. so then you have this diagnosis, um, but I understand there wasn't a quick treatment now that you have this diagnosis, right? Tell us about what you did to try to help court with yeah, that. Yeah, so um, what we have found through our journey with it and just talking with other people is that epilepsy is um, very individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, two people could present the exact same way as far as the types of seizures, but their treatment path may be completely opposite. Um, For court, they tried multiple medications with no success. Um, We would maybe start one, think that maybe we were seeing an improvement, and um, within a week's time, Mm -hmm. we weren't seeing any any change. And so for court, we went through, I believe, five to six different medications. Mm. Um, We were grateful and super thankful. The specialist that we were seeing, we were living in Fargo, He was a pediatric neurologist, and he felt very quickly after he failed three meds that he was beyond his scope. Mm -hmm. And that is when he referred us to Minneapolis to the, um, the, um, I can't think of the name of the place we went now, Minnesota Epilepsy Group. And that is an epileptologist. So he specializes only in seizure activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he then did further EEG testing with video testing, tried another med, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I believe two more meds. So when we left the hospital with our first stay with them, Court was on three meds and we were pregnant with our third child and they wanted us to go home and wait until we delivered our third child and then come back and reevaluate and I refused to do that (laughs) so we We talked um, yeah Mm -hmm. I had done a lot of research I had read a lot and I knew that the ketogenic diet for um, the medical treatment of it was something that was successful for kids that had epilepsy at a young age like that. And so I had researched it. I read about it. Um, I read a book by Dr. Kosoff, and I felt very comfortable asking if we could go down that path. And so we met with a nutritionist and our specialist, and they gave us the okay to start. And we left on a Sunday, and we started on a Monday. You were ready. Yeah, like, I was ready. This. Oh, it had to be such a um, tumultuous experience, like figuring out this isn't working for my son. This isn't yeah. working for my son. This, ah, what can I yes. do? So you're just ready to do it. I was yeah. ready. And the power of a mother's love. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, when you're in it, I look back now and realize more now how scary it was. Yeah. But when you're in that moment, you just, you you really are living day by day and you are just looking at what's the next thing. What can we try next? What can we do next? Because yeah. he was having seizures how many times a day yeah, at that point? So his EEG showed that he was having 
seizure activity every one to two seconds. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So it was very severe. We maybe were a little naive um, because we weren't in the medical field to how extreme it was. Um, Our specialist that we saw in the cities was very good and told us not to go home and research Doza syndrome for the first month. Okay. And I'm grateful that we didn't. It's a, it can go very extreme directions. Um, you can fortunately go the path that court went where they'll never use the term for court that he outgrew it. They will always say it lays dormant. So there is a chance like with puberty and some things like that that it could be triggered again for court. Um, but the extreme opposite of that is cases where they progress to where they they don't function well in life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't walk, they can't talk, um, eating themselves is difficult. And so that it's a very extreme um, diagnosis. And so we were fortunate, we didn't, we just listened to, to our medical professional and we, we took his advice and we just followed that path and, and that worked well for us. Yeah, excellent. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. You can call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. We are also joined this morning by Alicia Henderson. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is focusing on seizures, and Dr. Ellsworth gave us an explanation of what seizures are and that there's many different types, and Alicia's been sharing about her family's journey with their son, Court, and uh, how they progressed through diagnosis and treatment options. And uh, before the break, you were just starting to tell us, Alicia, about the special diet that your family went forward with for Court. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the ketogenic diet um, was developed by Dr. Kosoff, and it was it's it's actually a very old diet, years ago. Um, and I know we've all heard that term because it's a very fad type diet. Um, the ketogenic diet that Court was on is very strict, very medical. There are no cheat days. 
Um, there are three forms of it. So there's the full ketogenic diet where you use a gram scale to weigh out every portion of food that you have. Um, and it's a ratio that they use. And they determine for each child what ratio they get the most success with to reduce their seizure activity. For Court, he did the second version, which is the modified Atkins diet, which is the term that most people probably are familiar with and use when they diet. Um, and then the third version is the glycemic index. So Court's version, we did not have to use a gram scale, but his diet consisted on a daily basis of, um, for one meal, he could have one to two ounces of protein, five carbs. He could have, um, he had to have one tablespoon of butter, mayo, or oil. And then he had to drink a fourth cup of heavy whipping cream. So he had to, he had to do that three times a day. So to kind of give you an idea, um, five carbs is very difficult. Um, like this is kind of off the top of my head, but, um, like raspberries and blueberries and some of those fruits are the lowest. And so like a fourth cup of raspberries, I believe is like 1.25 grams to like 1.75. So picture a small fourth cup serving. That's, and I, and at the time he was, he had already turned four. Um, so the portion of carbs that he was having was very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to get creative. Mm-hmm. Um, he had eating butter, mayo, or oil with every meal is difficult when you're not adding it to you know you could easily add butter something to make it sweet but you can't there were basically no preservatives no everything was fresh fruits and vegetables and then some type of um, protein and he was a rock star Mm -hmm. I mean he made it simple he the first week was tough Um, it's it's like anybody that's done it in in the you know out in the society that has done the ketogenic diet or the modified Atkins you do really have that um, drop where you you're tired and you're you know you're kind of crabby and whatever mm-hmm. court went through that stage and um, it was tough because he had to eat the food he couldn't just eat half of a meal because he needed that fat um, for his body to burn for his um, energy because he wasn't having the carbohydrates and so we had to use the ketogenic sticks um, to determine where he fell on the scale to make sure that he was in ketosis and that he stayed in it. I'm not familiar with that. What is a keto? Um, What's the stick? It's a it's a urine stick. Oh, okay. So and it so, tests that you yep. would check how his body's yep. processing everything. Yep. And yeah. we had to do that daily um, for the first, we did it for the first month. Once you are in ketosis, the way that court went into it, um, unless they were to have some sort of extreme slip up, the, the chances of them falling out of ketosis is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he did that, he also, before that was on liquid medications, we had to switch him to all pills because mm-hmm. he, the sugar that is in those liquid meds, he couldn't do. Um, that would put him straight out of ketosis. And so he is four years old right. and he had to learn to swallow, swallow. pills and, mm-hmm. and all what sorts of What a trooper. He was a trooper. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, you know, there were some treats that he got too. He could drink some Powerade Zero um, Diet root beer, um, diet sun kiss, some of those things. So there were treats that we yeah. could still make it fun for a four year old. And I guess I'm grateful that he was four. 
he maybe hadn't been introduced to as many things as a seven-year-old would have been. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit easier probably to limit his diet based on that. Now, we did have an older child and and ourselves, and so we didn't follow the ketogenic diet along with him. We kind of made regular meals and modified our regular meal to quartz meal. So he essentially ate what we ate, just modified. Mm -hmm. And that worked really, really well for our family. It feels like it could almost be a full-time job, Alicia, figuring all this out and making sure you have... And yes. I'm sure you figured it out, but it would take a while yes. to kind of figure, like you said, feed yep. something to your whole family, but also works for court. Yeah, and absolutely. And when we first started, it was a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary. And we worked with a nutritionist, and that support is huge. Um, it's like any other medical support you can find. If you can find someone that you trust and work with, um, that's essential and really important. And we had a wonderful nutritionist who um, just really gave us ideas and recipes and, and things to work with. And and it's like anything else. It's a learning curve. We, we learned foods that Court loved. We learned foods that he didn't like. Um, he ate a lot of hot dogs. Mm-hmm. He will does not love a hot dog these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if he's used mayo since he's been off the diet. Sure. <laughs> yep. so, um, but yeah, it's a learning curve. And it, it was really, really hard in the beginning. Um, but after we were on it for six to eight months, I could walk into anyone's fridge and, and make him a keto meal just because we were so comfortable with it. And we did it three times a day. You know, and then he did eventually go to school, mm-hmm. and that was a challenge because he had to take his lunch every day to school. Um, we could have had the school system do that. That's, you know, they mm-hmm. are required to, but sure. I couldn't let go of that control. Yes. I needed to make sure it was proper. Mm-hmm. And the school the school system here was awesome. Um, they had someone check his meal every day to make sure that he ate every bite, to make sure he got that last bit of mayo out of there. Um And so, but that was a challenge. Um, I couldn't send him a cold lunch every day. Mm -hmm. And so the school worked with us and they allowed him to use a microwave and heat up some of his meals. And so, but there's birthday parties and there's ways around it. They, we we found a way to always make him feel included without it ever being an issue. And it was, it was, it kind of started to become fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. And the great news is, it worked for it court, worked. right? So tell us about that yep. and the success you've seen. So like I said, we left on a Sunday. We ordered court a giant burger and french fries to have on Sunday night. Yep. <laughs> and he had that Sunday night and Monday morning we started. And that was, so we started on a Monday. He was four, three weeks in. I remember looking at Eric and we had a log, a journal that we kept in a notebook um, of his seizures, um, just because we needed to share that with our medical mm-hmm. team. And so when we started the diet, we kept a log then of his daily diet, just so we could find trends and patterns of what was working. Mm-hmm. And we kept um, his ketosis levels on on that same notebook. And so about three weeks in, I looked at Eric and I said, gosh, I don't know if I saw any seizures today. And he's like, I don't think I did either. Wow. And so we 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 both were like, okay, let's and and he didn't he didn't have another one for a short stretch after that. Um I think we tried removing so at that time he was still on three meds. Mm-hmm. Um and one of them was a controlled substance which we were 
we really wanted to get him off of that. We were felt pretty comfortable with the other two meds that he was on, but one of them, just the risks and the, the long-term effects of that med, we really wanted to get him off of that. So we tried removing that, um, and it takes about three days, would you say, Doctor? It depends on the medication. But yeah. yeah. I would say when it kind of started to slowly be fully metabolized in his body, um, we started to notice immediately the head drops that he was mm-hmm. having. And um, so we put him right back on it and instantly no more seizures. And so he, that went for about three months. And then he had what we call a breakthrough seizure. Um, and it was a tonic-clonic. It was in the evening. He was in bed. And thankfully, our two boys shared a room at the time, and our oldest came in to tell us that he thought Court was having a seizure, Mm -hmm. and he was, and I went in there, which for me triggered a lot of feelings because I thought, here we go, this is all coming back again. Um, And thankfully, that was the last seizure that Court ever had. Mm -hmm. And so we have not seen another seizure since then. Um, They... For a year after that, his EEG still showed a little bit of seizure activity, um, but that slowed each time that we would go back. He had, I believe it was this last summer, his um, last EEG. Um, He goes annually still for a checkup, and that one was clear. Mm. And so at that point, he was able to wean off his last med. Mm -hmm. So we went from the diet with three meds to the diet with two meds to the diet with one med and then the seizure the med I actually was wrong before I said we took out a med that was um the controlled substance it wasn't it was the last med we put in um that we tried taking him off of Mm -hmm. and because that brought those head drops back that was the last med we removed for him. Oh, sure. And so we took the diet out before mm-hmm. we removed that med. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was nervous to remove that med because that was the only triggering thing that we knew we had tried taking away and something came back. Um, and he did fabulous when he weaned off of that. And we have not seen any seizure activity since. Yeah. So he is And he's not on the free, diet med anymore free either. and diet free. He's, he's, he's a normal, can eat what he wants to eat now. Yes. Yeah. And you, that's funny that you say that because there are still times that he will say to us, oh, I've never had that. Can I try that? Like mm. last year, a vanilla wafer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, you don't think about that. Like, what? He will be twelve next week, and I'm like, what? Twelve year old hasn't had a vanilla wafer. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But yeah, it's an amazing story. Thank you, Alicia. It's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at six zero five six nine two fourteen thirty with any medical questions you would like us to address. Our programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. 
Frostbite can permanently damage the body and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. We're also joined this morning by Alicia Henderson. Give us a call with your questions at 605 692 1430. This week we are focusing on seizures and we've learned a lot this morning about what seizures are and that they're very unique for all individuals and uh, really appreciate having Alicia here sharing her family's story as well. Now for your family, uh, you found success with the the diet that really helped court. Is that uh, common, Dr. Ellsworth, for a diet to, to be a solution for seizures? I guess I wouldn't call it common, but it, yeah. was, it was a solution, and thankfully one that right. worked. Unfortunately, it may not work for others. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly worth a try in that situation. Um, I'd like to highlight that, uh, how important and, and great it was that, you know, as you, you thankfully you were able to be your own advocate, mm-hmm. and, and you were court's advocate, uh, for, for finding a solution and, and working with your doctor, but also that you didn't just give up on that doctor and go doctor shopping six more times or whatever. Right. Because that often is counterproductive too. So finding someone, like you said, that you know and trust and can work with, but then also some of that give and take and, okay, what can we do? And here I looked into this and what do you think about that? And bouncing ideas and having a healthy discussion and f- coming up with a mutual plan. Right. And and epilepsy can be frustrating because the answers, I feel like when someone's diagnosed with cancer, typically there is a doctor that specializes in in cancer, that type of cancer, and you go see them and the treatment plan is kind of laid out. In epilepsy, there isn't a specific treatment plan that is just going to stop seizures. There there just isn't. To this day, there's thousands of people out there having seizures that have no control um, or don't have the resources. And so it is important to to be your own advocate, but it's also important, like you said, to, to stick it out um, because things evolve and change with epilepsy so quickly that that you need you need someone that knows your story number one I think that's super important the doctor that we worked with knew court from the beginning if we switched doctors midway and they only viewed courts um, EEG they may have changed our entire treatment plan because they didn't see court in person his EEG our doctor told us that when he walked into the room, he didn't expect court to be walking, talking, smiling, laughing. That wasn't what he expected to see from his EEG. And so if we quick turned and moved on to another doctor without letting him evaluate and, and learn more about court's situation, we probably would have gone down a different treatment path. And that might not have been successful for us. Now, with that said, if you have gone down that path and you don't find answers and you aren't feeling like you're you're working together, then that then, you know, look a different route and find a different path to go. But it does take time for epilepsy. It it is a trial and error, unfortunately. And what works for one might not work for another. And so it takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Dr. Ellsworth, tell us about the television show you have planned for tomorrow evening. 
Yeah, this show isn't live tomorrow. It was already recorded uh, a month and a half ago or so. Uh, but I've got a couple great guests, a pediatric neurologist, Dr. Connie Taylor, and another neurologist in Sioux Falls, both with Avera, Dr. Jeffrey Boyle. And uh, Dr. Boyle's been on the show a few times, and so he's, uh, uh, he was a, a gr- they were both great guests mm-hmm. to have. And um, we had just great discussion about seizures, which... To my knowledge, we haven't focused on seizures for with a Prairie Doc show before in our 20 years. Maybe they did at one point. We, yeah. we don't think so. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's come up with a neurology show, but to, mm-hmm. to focus a whole show on it, it was great to get in, in depth on that. We had a wonderful roll-in with the Hendersons about court, and uh, <laughs> I dare you to watch it without crying. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a powerful story. Powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so that's, uh, that's on tomorrow, Thursday at 7 o'clock on South Dakota Public Television and on YouTube, I think. Yes, and the Prairie Doc Facebook page. Yeah. Yes, all right. Well, before we go, yes, we do ask you to please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us tomorrow, Thursday, January 4th, for a new On Call with the Prairie Doc. Prairie Doc host Dr. Andrew Ellsworth with guests Dr. Connie Taylor and Dr. Jeffrey Boyle talk about seizures. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth and Alicia Henderson for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.